0: Well, Jim Carrey had some harsh things to say about the Christian right in America.
1: Is he right?
0: According to Jim Carrey, America will soon, quote, find out once and for all that the Christian right has never been about morality. It's been about holding on to power and using morality to do so. Was he right? Welcome, friends, to the broadcast. This is Michael Brown. Thanks for starting your week together with us. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We did. Just had some wonderful time with family in town Great family fun together and always refreshing to to have those moments. And got some writing done also, got some prayer in as well, but great family time. So I hope you had a, a great Thanksgiving and I hope your week is starting well. But either way, here we are together. And as always, it's my goal to be your voice of moral clarity, moral sanity, spiritual clarity in the midst of a society and chaos in a church all too often in compromise and to, to help you get your spiritual bearings. We're not here to just do news, talk radio. We're not here. simply to preach. We're here to be a voice for you and to sift through what's happening in the world around us and the culture around us and, and get a biblical perspective. That's why we write articles on a daily basis. That's why we do these radio shows on a daily basis. And this way you Can have your head clear because you got to work out your own life, your own calling, where you are, how you're functioning. You got a million and one questions to work on. So let us tackle a lot of others for you and provide the ammunition for you, provide the data for you, provide the, the, the perspective for you. So we want to do that again as we continue to talk through the issues having to do with the gospel and politics. Look, friends, I'm, I'm really committed. I'm really committed to helping us have a clear head about this. From my book, Donald Trump is not our savior to, to, to my articles, to the radio show and videos we put out. I want to do my part to help you work out a a clear way of living and thinking. So you've, you've got things in their right categories. You've got things in proper order. You've got the gospel where it belongs. You've got politics where it belongs. You've got prayer where it belongs. You've got voting where it belongs. You've got the mind of the spirit. You've got the word of God. You've got practical wisdom, so that we can live things out effectively here in this world. Uh, We shouldn't be pulled in a million different directions. That's 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 not right for a child of God. You shouldn't be so influenced by the media one way or another. We, We shouldn't be so easily pulled by the latest report or news or wind of doctrine. There should be a stability. We shouldn't be so reactionary. So I want to help you. I want to do my best to strengthen you in this regard. So Jim Carrey, of course, has been attacking President Trump day and night, despises his policies. Now he's he's come out in favor of socialism and things like that. People have kind of scratched their heads, think you know what socialism would mean to your paycheck, sir? But putting those things aside, he's referred to President Trump as, as sadist and chief. Uh, he's a gifted artist as well and will, will paint these derogatory paintings of President Trump and compared them to cancer and other things. And there are evangelical Christians that absolutely are appalled at what Jim Carrey's saying and the way he's saying it, but they have their problems with President Trump. But Jim Carrey went beyond that recently, and and he said that the Christian right has never been about morality. It's been about holding on to power and using morality to do so. Now, I wrote an article about that that was posted uh, Saturday and Sunday on different sites and today on some other sites. It's gotten a lot of attention, a lot of feedback. And when I when I uh, uh, linked the article, when I wrote the article, I linked it to the tweet where he said this. So just this morning, I was looking for the tweet or late last night, the tweet's gone. So when I click on where the tweet was, it's gone. So I, I went to his Twitter feed and ran through recent feeds and I don't see it. So if if maybe he felt wrong about it or some, but anyway, it's pulled. Maybe there was an issue with Twitter. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope he pulled it. I hope he pulled it. But before you react harshly to what he said, because we're going to look at it fairly and ask the question about the Christian right in America. Before you react to what he said, I want to take you back to last year. I remember when this happened. So I'm looking at a report on Christian Today that was posted July 20th of 2017, uh, written by Joseph Hartrop. The inevitable jester Jim Carrey has made surprising and profound statements about suffering, grace, and how Jesus shows us the path to salvation The comedian's comments weren't wholly orthodox, but Christians should listen and learn. His words offered more weight and wisdom than many Sunday sermons. So uh, he was at this gathering. There was a Jesuit priest there. There were people who were battling addictions, etc. So uh, it is an organization called Homeboy Industries based in L.A., it's a center for rehabilitating former gang members and prisoners led by Jesuit Reverend Gregory J. Boyle. So Jim Carrey was speaking there. Uh, let's listen to what he had to say. I've broken it up into a few clips. Let's play the first clip.
2: This
3: room is filled with God and, uh, and that you are heroes to me and I admire you. Because when you step through these doors, and you decide to be a part of this family. You've made a decision to transcend and to leave darkness behind. And it takes a champion to make that decision.
0: All right. Now, when Jim Carrey said those words... I don't know that he was thinking consciously they're going to be broadcast publicly because it's a small gathering and he's just there with a mic. You can see it's not professional sound quality or anything like that. And he, uh, he says things that are very gracious. And in his view, in his mind, the room is filled with God because here you've got these ex gang members and prisoners who are seeking to rehabilitate their lives with the help of this Jesuit priest That's significant, Tim. Very positive, Tim. Well, glad glad to hear that. Let's listen to some more of what he had to say.
3: I really want to speak to the fact that I've had some challenges in the last couple of years myself. Uh, And uh, ultimately, I believe that suffering leads to salvation. And in fact, it's the only way.
0: Ah, so suffering... Leads to salvation. So he's talking about problems he's had in his own life, issues he's had to deal with, and and let's let's remember that often the the Hollywood actors and these elite celebrities deal with all kinds of issues, be it uh, substance abuse, be it depression, be it other issues for for whatever, either as a result of all the fame they have, or because their giftedness parallels another weakness in their life, or, or whatever it it might be all right so uh, for sure it's significant that he says those things I, I take that as positive and honest and again if in every way it's not necessarily Orthodox theology there are great truths that he's sharing and then he speaks more specifically about Jesus let's listen to this last clip
3: you made the decision to walk through the gate of forgiveness to grace just as Christ did on the cross He suffered terribly, and he was broken by it to the point of doubt and a feeling of absolute abandonment, which all of you felt. And uh, then there was a decision to be made, and the decision was to look upon the people who were causing that suffering, or the situation that was causing that suffering, with compassion and with forgiveness. And that's what opens the gates of heaven.
0: All right. So I have no idea about Jim Carrey's personal relationship with God, but I was reminded of that clip after I wrote my article, which you can read on org, asking if Jim Carrey was right in attacking the Christian right. So I, I, I wanted to play those clips first so that you have a right heart towards him. Because I, I was I was looking at some comments that were made. For, for example, a, a comment. Let me see if I can find it on our Facebook page. Uh, a comment made in response to my article. Now I take strong issue with Jim Carrey and, and what he said. And as one who would be classified as being on quote the Christian right, because I'm socially active and will make political views known as well. Um, I I know the inside of this decently well. So I, I take very, very strong issue with his, with his comments here. But one of the first comments that was made, and I'm just scrolling down to it. Um, let's see here. Okay. Yeah. One, Jim carries a lost soul needs our prayers. Amen to that. Again, God knows his, his own life. Um, but there was one that was posted and, um, Yeah, honestly, Dr. Brown, who cares what that psycho windbag thinks? Now, I understand that people can take offense to his attacks on the Christian right and the level of his attacks against the president. And they can, you know, not respect Jim Carrey as a person. So I understand the harsh reaction. But to me, we need to have a redemptive reaction. We need to have one that doesn't just push away. If if someone is already away, if someone is already alienated, if someone is already hostile, do we want to push them further away? Do we want to push them further away, alienate them further, or or see if there's a way through truth and love we can draw them near? I don't mean compromise. I'll shout it from the rooftops. rooftops. I don't mean compromise. If you know me, you know that I don't have a compromising bone in my body in terms of when I see right and wrong. I've got to do what's right. Well, it's, it's more expedient to do wrong. It doesn't matter. It's more beneficial. To, it doesn't matter. You'll get ahead more if it doesn't matter. Right is right. So I'm not talking about compromise. And I'm not attacking the person that posted. Honestly, Dr. Brown, who cares what that psycho windbag thinks? I understand. Should should we stop our lives to evaluate what a Hollywood actor with some very different views has to say? No. However, because he's prominent, because many people follow him. Yes. As an actor, they don't necessarily look to him for moral guidance, but he's a man of influence like anyone else who has millions and millions and millions of of followers and many people have been entertained by him. So now they may listen to what he has to say. I think we do need a response. And I think we need a response that is accurate, that is moral, that is true, that is filled with grace as well. So we'll do that. When we come back, we'll respond to Jim Carrey. Oh, and how do you vote when you vote? I've got a question for you. We'll, we'll come to that in a little bit. Stay right here.
4: This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals and Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals and Wheels. You can make a difference by dropping off a hot meal and saying a quick hello. So America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org.
5: This message brought to you by Meals and Wheels America and the Ad Council.
4: Hi, this is Terrence Howard. My mother was the cornerstone of our family. She shaped me as an actor, a musician, as a human being. So when she was diagnosed with colon cancer, it was like our whole family got cancer. And she died when she was only 56, so this is personal. Now hopefully my heartbreak is your wake up call. Colorectal cancer is the second leading cancer killer, but you can prevent this disease. Screening finds precancerous polyps so that they can be removed before they turn into cancer. I've been screened. If you think that you're at an increased risk like I am, ask your doctor when to start screening. And if you're 50 or older, get screened. I don't have my mother anymore. So please, do everything that you can to stay around for yourself and for your family. Screening saves lives.
5: A message from the US Department of Health and Human Services.
2: Today we decided to walk to school. The, the light, light counted. counted. 15, 14,
1: 41 one? Thirty-one? I mean, thirteen. We took a left, left on
2: Carroll Street. Street. Danny's smart, but sound. he gets distracted.
1: Oh, I realized, realized he forgot
2: his homework. I, I hope, hope I don't he doesn't have another, another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in.
4: God of one.
1: It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks,
0: friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. Friends, something I've sought to do consistently for years now is help us have a kingdom perspective on politics, a kingdom perspective on living in this world, recognizing the importance of patriotism and loyalty, but emphasizing that the great commission comes first, that our heavenly citizenship comes first. And as citizens of a heavenly kingdom, we serve this earthly kingdom. So when it comes to criticism of the Christian right, I'm not going to reject it all out of hand. I'm, I'm not just going to throw it out as if it had no meaning. And in fact, in my book, Donald Trump is not my savior An evangelical leader speaks his mind about the man he supports as president in that book. I specifically ask the, the question, uh, quote, uh, have we, have we compromised our ethics to gain a seat at the table? This, this is a very specific question that I've asked. So I'm, I'm not immune to asking the question. I'm not tone deaf to the question. Again, in Jim Carrey's words, Christian right has never been about morality. It's been about holding on to power and using morality to do so. So if, if he's talking primarily about conservative evangelicals, maybe let's say conservative, primarily white evangelicals. I can respond to that by saying, sir, with all respect to your concerns, you're very wrong. You're very, very wrong. You can weigh in 866-34-TRUTH, 866 uh, 884 So again, the question I ask in my book, did these evangelicals, Who supported Trump, especially the leaders, sell their souls for him. Did they compromise their convictions to gain a seat at the table? To the extent that I know some of them personally, know some of them very well, I can say categorically not. As someone who voted for Donald Trump, I can say categorically no. It has nothing to do with wanting a seat at the table. It has nothing to do with wanting control or power. Zero. Zero. I would a trillion to one much rather have no power whatsoever in the government and have godly leaders leading our country in a godly and good way than to have a seat at the table with the ungodly. <laughs> Who'd even think of that? Who wants power or control? Our calling is to serve. Our calling is, is to change lives one at a time, right? However, because morality and culture and politics intersect, we get involved. The reason we're politically involved is because we're morally involved. The reason we're politically involved is because we're socially involved. The reason we're politically involved is because we're spiritually involved. That's why. So I recently wrote an article about Billy Graham's warning from 1962 about what would happen if prayer was taken out of schools. And and this is, this is what he said. He said, American democracy rests on the belief in the reality of God and his respect for the individual. Ours is a freedom under law, but it is also a freedom that will evaporate if the religious foundations upon which it has been built are taken away. His goal, Billy Graham's goal was to preserve freedom. It was not to establish a theocracy. It was not to assert some type of control. It was not to exercise power. It was to preserve freedom. That's why he spoke out. And when he ministered to presidents, he just ministered about their spiritual lives and, and realized when he had gotten more politically involved, it wasn't for the best. So he, in that respect, was going to be neither Republican nor Democrat, remain neutral. He would vote, of course. But his call had to do with morality and spirituality, not control, not governmental control. See, people perceive it a certain way when they see you at a White House gathering, when they see you at a political rally, when they think, okay, you just want your guy in so you can have control or have a relationship with the person is in control so you can control through them. No, we want to be a moral influence. We want to be a spiritual influence. We want to be nudging them in the right direction that's best for the country. Francis Schaeffer, I just wrote an article um, about him back in October. I, I cited warnings that he gave in 1968 with, with prophetic precision and with an emphasis on, on sexual issues and maintaining gender distinctions. And, and listen to what he said. It is imperative that Christians realize the conclusions, which are being drawn as a result of the death of absolute. So, if we didn't realize this, the society would collapse. We, we would have moral anarchy and chaos, which is really what we have in, in many ways. We still have a certain amount of order and certain sense of right and wrong, but it, morality, sexuality is in a very chaotic and anarchic state compared to what it was just some years before when he was issuing these warnings. As so much change was happening in the 60s with some that had begun already in the 50s and before. So the point is that the goal is not how can we get more power? The goal is how can we have more godly influence? The goal is what can we do to bring about positive change? You say, well, what about the moral majority? That, that was a call to get out and vote. Reverend Jerry Falwell started that. That was the purpose of it. Get out and vote, get politically involved, get Reagan in and get this one in. and, And that'll make the difference. Still, What prompted it was a concern about morality. What prompted it, contrary to Jim Carrey's thoughts, what prompted it was a concern about spiritual and moral decline in America and about what was going through our airwaves and the negative effect this would have on our kids and our grandkids. Therefore, to the extent that politics intersects with this, get out and vote. Now, the second half of the broadcast, I want to talk about the difference between the power of a vote and the power of the gospel. All right. And and I'll lay something out very simply for you that I think will really help in your thinking. But to a certain extent, the moral majority became somewhat of an appendage of the Republican Party. To that extent, it failed. To that extent, it lost its power to that extent, it lost its cutting gospel edge. Not that Reverend Falwell ever stopped preaching the gospel and standing for gospel truths and speaking out against sin in the society. But to the extent that the moral majority was largely appended to the Republican Party, and it was almost as if we have to get this one elected to see these goals fulfilled. And so the, the greater emphasis is on the elections. To that extent, it falls short. So I, I can understand why the claim can be made that the Christian right just wants power. But what motivates us is not a quest for power. And and maybe you don't put me on on the side of the Christian right. Maybe you put others there. That's fine. But I'm a conservative. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm an evangelical. All right. I, I vote for conservative moral values. So I think the world would put me in that category. I think Jim Carrey, if he knew me, would put me in that category. All right. So. I, I try I was writing the article responding to him and thinking okay how how can i how can I best reach out to him what 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 can I say that would get him thinking and and i I thought, okay let, let me ask him a series of questions and i I tweeted him a copy of the article so maybe he saw it he's got millions of followers so good chance very good chance he didn't see it or know that it exists, but you never know. I've written enough things with people I had no connection with and someone got it to them. Tell them, hey, I just want you to know I, I got that article to them. I told them I need to read it. I always try to make connection with people, but if I can't, then, then I'll share these things for the edification of the public, our learning, our growth, and then, and then, from there, if it gets to the person as well, wonderful. But this is for people who think like Jim Carrey, and many of those will read these articles and listen to me on the air. First, Mr. Kerry, when you express your outrage against Donald Trump, is it because you find him morally offensive and a threat to our nation? So why are you doing it? Because you want power? Because you want political control? No, he's a Canadian, right? No, you're, you're doing it. You're doing it because you find him morally offensive and a threat to the nation. That's that's what you think, right? Okay. second, if your answer is yes. Then do you vote for Democratic candidates because you believe they'll do a better job of fighting against the dangerous conservative right? If you look at us as dangerous, etc. So do you vote for Democrats? if you could vote? America, do you vote for Democrats so that you think, because you think they'll do a better job of fighting against the right? OK? All right Number three, are you there for using your moral outrage in order to gain political power? Or are you voting for candidates who share your moral outrage? Obviously, you're voting for candidates who share your moral outrage. Number four, assuming that you're not using your moral outrage as a tool, but are sincere in your convictions, why is it so hard to understand that those of us on the right feel the same way? Just from the opposite side of the spectrum. To reduce it to one question, Mr. Carey, if you and your ill can be sincerely motivated, why can't you recognize that those of us on the right are likewise sincere? Could it be, despite those very gracious words spoken about Jesus and suffering and salvation and grace and forgiveness, very powerful words, at that, that group led by a Jesuit priest helping gang members, prisoners, find rehabilitation. Could it be that you can look at those people as Christian or seeking to be Christian, but those who identify as evangelical leaders you can't? Maybe you've caricatured us. Maybe you've misjudged us. Maybe you think it's all about political power. I remember meeting with a local gay activist in Charlotte, North Carolina some years ago and partway through our lunch, the young man, known me for some years. He said, Dr. Brown, I have to apologize. I've I've misunderstood you. I I thought you wanted some kind of power control. I see that's not the case. And I sat there with tears streaming down my cheeks. I said, man, I just want you to know the love of the father. I just want you to know the love of the father. He subsequently concluded I was a loony because he couldn't figure out how I how I had the convictions I did if I wasn't trying to get political power and control. So he could he'd consider me a wingnut. Yeah, but at least he understood. At least he understood the goal was not political power and control. So, Jim Carrey, I, I hope you can meet some evangelical leaders and, and, and hear their hearts and find out about their love and their, their care for the hurting and our love for the unborn. Maybe they're just... Change your perspective, sir. We'll be right back.
6: Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, and I need my sisters. Kathy saved me from drowning when I broke my neck. And then I lived with my sister, Jay, for seven years, during which time my older sister, Linda, often stayed overnight to give Jay a break. Someone once said, sisters are the people we practice on. The people who teach us about fairness and cooperation, kindness and caring, although quite often the hard way. (laughs) Well, Romans chapter 12 says, Love one another with brotherly, or I should say sisterly, affection. Then it says, Outdo one another in showing honor. Sure, my sisters and I did not always get along, but now I feel so tender toward them. Friend, listening, when it comes to your siblings, love one another, would you? Outdo one another in showing honor, just like the Bible says. I feel it so keenly because time is short, and we will not always have our siblings.
2: I'm Peter Rosenberger, and this is today's Caregiver Minute. One of the toughest challenges for caregivers is to detach from the poor conduct of our loved one. Chronic pain, dementia, pharmaceuticals, fear, those things can cause all types of behavior issues. Maybe they're just having a bad day. Regardless of what's going on with them, we don't have to take it personally, even if it sounds personal. As long as our self-worth is tied to the opinion of someone else, we're never going to be a healthy person. You are an extraordinary individual created in the image of God, and amazingly, you show up to care for an impaired loved one. They may pop off at you, say hurtful things, and berate you, but remember, they are impaired on some level. Why would you attach your value to a sickness? Listen, they're not doing it to you. They're just doing it. Let it go on past you and go about your day feeling confident you're doing the best you can with what you have and what you know.
1: Today's Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger is brought to you by MediShare. Healthcare savings you can believe in. There's more information at MediShare.com. In Africa, five-year-old Cheru
5: has no choice. She and millions like her must walk miles every day for dirty water. But together, we can end their walk by providing clean water close by. Instead of spending hours walking to get water that makes them sick, girls can be in a classroom that expands their minds, and moms will gain back time to care for their families. Sons and daughters can grow up strong, finally free of sicknesses caused by dirty water. At World Vision, care about clean water runs deep, deep enough to reach one new person with clean water every 10 seconds. Because every child, every person, everywhere deserves clean water and the chance to rise to their full potential. It's true. When you just add water, you change a life. Learn more at worldvision.org.
1: It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
0: Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. The number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866 348 Hey, special shout out to all of our friends watching on YouTube. Hey, I haven't done this for a little while, but I'll... I'll give you a thumbs up. You can send back some symbols, hearts, thumbs up, pour it out. I'll be looking on my screen as they, oh, right in front of me. Got a new screen right here. Yeah, so uh, send me back some thumbs up, smiles, and uh, greetings to all those watching on Facebook, listening on radio, listening by podcast, watching a delayed broadcast on YouTube, wherever you are, everywhere. Welcome, welcome to the broadcast. Again, the number to call 866-348-7884. Now, I've got a question for you. When you vote, to all those living in America, when you vote, what, what are your primary categories? What is your biggest emphasis? What is it that, that gets you out to vote and that, that causes you to vote? So is it, for example, issue of immigration in America? That's your biggest concern. Is it national security or international security issues? Is it the economy? Is it moral and social issues? Is it something else? It's all about who's going to reduce the size of government, whatever. What, What primarily causes you to vote? I asked this question on Twitter today. When you vote, which is the single greatest factor in making your decision? Economic issues, national security, moral issues, or other? We got our first few hundred votes in, and I'm assuming the great majority of people following me on Twitter are fellow believers. So I know there are folks that follow me on Twitter that despise me and mock me, and for whatever reason, they follow me. But but there are certainly a great, great majority would be fellow believers and probably largely fellow evangelical believers. So I'm pleased to see the results here. I'm not going to share them with you yet. But I'm pleased to see the results. You can call in and let me know when you vote. What is it that gets your vote? When you vote for a candidate, what's the number one reason for which you're voting for that candidate? 866-34-TRUTH. But what what I don't get, let's just say that this poll is indicating so far that the number one factor is moral issues. What I don't get is lots of polling data that I've read those leaving the uh, elections, so post, uh, post-election uh, polls that are done as people are leaving the precincts, and someone interviews them, and, okay, what are your beliefs about this, 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 and why do you vote? That it seems that even among professing evangelicals, the number one issue was the economy. And that's, I just, I don't get that. Yeah, the economy is important, and the economy does affect people's lives, and there's more suffering when there's less money, and, and I understand that. But in a prosperous country like America, it's not as life and death in terms of the economy as it is in other countries, because, you know, we may take a little dip. Here, let's say the end of the Bush administration and a good part of the Obama administration, the economy was down, but most of us were still, we still weren't starving, right? Most of us still had a roof over our heads. Most of us could, could still put food on the table. So uh, the the point is, that to me would be an extraordinarily carnal thing for that to be the major factor in terms of how you vote the economy that 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 would be quite extraordinary now if that is the, if if that's how you vote and you want to explain it to me morally and tell me why well, it makes good moral sense that's fine perfectly fine but to me that's odd so the results is, as i'm looking on on twitter and just refreshing the feed here I'm pleased to see this, but I, I may have to write an article on it and ask, okay, if if that's the case, then what what are these polls telling us? Now I've got a representative sampling, and I would also imagine, that just like those of you who follow us on the line of fire, and and listen to us and watch us as much as you can, I would assume that you are among the more committed believers. Now, for all of you who who follow us regularly and differ, thank thank you for giving us time. Thank you for allowing me to, to do my best to influence you and persuade you and impact you. All right. And if you just listen and watch because <clears throat> your whole role is to get fodder for, for your material that opposes us, well, I'm glad you, you, you're you listening and watching anyway. But having said all that, having said all that, friends, I was expect the great majority of you who are involved with this broadcast are fairly seriously committed believers. I don't think you would would put up with me day and night and the exhortations and the encouragement and and the the tone and the focus. I don't think you would do that unless you were in some kind of agreement and some kind of fundamental uh, amen to what I'm saying. So maybe the cross-section that I'm getting from you, from those on Twitter and social media, is the more committed, the the more serious, the the more Bible based believers that are out there, and therefore your voting respect re- reflects that. But let, let me just talk to you about the issue of of voting versus preaching the gospel. You say, well, why are you making a comparison? Let, let me explain. I had this mental picture over the weekend; it was just crystal clear, and. There was a dam and hole here, hole here, hole here, hole here, hole here, hole hole there. Okay, all all these different holes. And we were plugging as many as we could. There are a lot of us plugging as many as we could with our fingers. You know, the proverbial finger in the hole in the dam. Right. But what struck me was that's what voting does. That's what voting does. Voting doesn't change the nature of the dam voting doesn't stop the torrents of water from hitting that dam voting doesn't do anything to protect the people down there if the dam comes down what it it holds back the negative forces so let me explain what i mean many of us and i'm not talking politics i'm talking gospel all right many of us believe that we were in a dangerous decline in terms of religious liberties in America that uh, look i I had a a major media guy, one of the top few media men in america i I mean major major attack on our freedom of speech, conscience and religion in the last eight years. We were very concerned that if Hillary Clinton was elected, things would get even worse. We were very concerned about the aggressive backing of Planned Parenthood. We were very concerned, very concerned about the aggressive backing of, of radical LGBT activism and on and on. So in many ways, having Donald Trump as president, in, in many ways, having him as president, has given us a respite. Now, again, you may like him or not. That's not the issue. Whether you voted for him or not, we really have a respite. He has really pushed back in many ways against this radical activism. He's pushed back, for example, against radical transgender activism in the military. He's pushed back against those trying to attack our religious freedoms. The justices that he's nominating and are being appointed are are also pushing back against these things. This is all very positive, but, but look, we have a respite. If we don't use this time now to change hearts and lives, if we don't use this time now to make a major difference, friends, we are in big, big trouble. All the voting did was get us a respite. A respite is not revival or respite is not reformation. So voting can plug the holes in the dam, but only the gospel can rebuild the dam. Now, I want to unpack that for you. I want to explain what I mean. You can also read my latest article on AskDrBrown.org or on the stream, which is by that title, Voting Helps to Plug the Leaks, The Gospel Rebuilds the Dam. Put another way, the government can change laws but only the gospel can change hearts. And because we need both good laws and good hearts, we advocate for our political values while we seek to change hearts and minds through our message and our lifestyle. But let us not confuse the power of our vote with the power of the gospel. Friends, I'm going to keep hammering this. Every opportunity I have, and as often as it's on my heart, because we tend to, to pray like crazy around the election time. It used to be every four years, now every two years, and every election is more important than the one before, and every election is is more is the most important election of our lifetime. And then the next one's even more important. And, and how many billion? How many billions of dollars are given for financial campaigns? And remember, if if I'm campaigning against you, the more I spend, the more you have to spend. The more you spend, the more I have to spend. This is just this endless up, 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 up. I remember two years back with a major campaign in North Carolina that was being fought for, for a senatorial seat. Man, I, I couldn't go anywhere. I mean, if I go anywhere, I, I mean, not physically, but let's say I'm just going to chill for a few minutes, watch some sports. And right before the sports thing, there's an, an ad from him and an ad from her. Wow. And then I'm, get on YouTube. There's an ad from him. And the next thing there's an ad from her. There's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And back and forth. It's quite unreal, quite unreal. So we get in this frenzy. We got to pray. It's urgent. And I, I, I recognize, I recognize the urgency of these things, the implications, the ramifications of the elections. I recognize all that. However, however, when all is said and done, when all is said and done, we then take our foot off the pedal As opposed to, okay, now now press in all the more. We've got to make a difference with the gospel, friends. Again, the best the political leaders can do is is plug holes in the dam. It's up to us with the gospel, with the Lord's help and grace, with the power of prayer and the power of preaching and godly living to bring about societal change. Don't take your foot off the pedal now. Now's the time to accelerate. We'll be right back.
7: This is John MacArthur inviting you to join me for Portraits of Grace. Unregenerate people are totally depraved, dead in their trespasses, enslaved to sin, cursed to eternal damnation, unable to help themselves, and in desperate need of mercy and compassion. That's quite a plight. And that's where the good news of the gospel meets them. God loves them in that condition and extends mercy to anyone willing to trust in Him. Mercy tempers God's justice, and that God permits us to live at all speaks volumes of His mercy. Well, Lamentation says, it is because of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because His compassions fail not, they are new every morning, great is His faithfulness. What a promise. This is John MacArthur, trusting your lives
3: are portraits of grace.
1: This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let us begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Do you have plumage? Please tell me you answered no, which means you need to get a fishing license and have your boat registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org.
5: Some people see a goat. At Heifer International, we see a mother able to support her growing family. Just one goat can provide a family with nutritious milk. The gift of an animal from Heifer can help a family start a small business. This hand up increases access to education, empowerment, and dignity. This is no ordinary gift. Heifer International. Learn more at heifer.org.
1: It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
0: So I'm, I'm looking at this poll on Twitter asking when you vote, what's the single greatest factor in making your decision? And I gave choices, economic issues, national security, moral issues, and other. And other got 6%, national security got 7%, economic issues, 9%, moral issues, 78%. Now, that would have been my number one choice as well, moral issues. So, I, again, I'm voting for political leaders to do what they can do. If if we have bad laws, if we had bad justices, if we have bad policies, it affects all of us. It, it does affect all of us. It could ultimately affect our liberties to preach the gospel. Look, we read on a regular basis of people getting bounced off Twitter and bounced off Facebook and bounced off other so- social media and penalized on YouTube simply for holding to conservative views. One of my colleagues has been banned from Facebook. They removed this page, period. That's it. And all he's done is tell the truth about homosexuality. It's all he's done. I've had other colleagues that just posted Bible verses about that, and they got blocked. They got banned. So you say, well, we don't need Facebook. Oh, okay. So then we don't need Facebook. We don't need YouTube. We don't need Twitter. We don't need internet. We don't need email. We don't need cell phones. We don't need radio. We don't. No, we don't need any of those things to serve God. We don't need any of those things to make an impact. But I'll tell you what be a lot harder today for me to get my message out to all of you and potentially reach millions of people through through writing and and radio and internet if we didn't have internet and if we didn't have radio and it'd be a lot harder to get the message out. Yeah, so I for one want to preserve our liberties and I for one want to hold people to ethical accountability. If you claim to be a neutral platform and we pour hours into helping you develop that platform, then we expect integrity there. But I am I am ultimately not looking at change coming from the top down. So let's just say, and I want to go to your calls in a moment. Let's just say that you share my convictions, which I believe, I'm quite sure are biblical, about preserving the life of the unborn. So you want to see Roe v. Wade overturned you want to see conservative justices appointed. You, you want to see laws passed to protect the unborn. Let's say all that happens in the next 10 years, unless we're also influencing hearts, unless we're also changing minds, unless we're, we're also winning sympathy for the pro-life position, it's only a period of time before another tide comes through and, and just sweeps out what we have. And we end up with something even worse. You, you are not going to enforce morality by, by imposing it on everyone. Yeah, you can, you can enforce it saying we have laws. For example, don't murder. That's a law, right? But ultimately, if you're in a, a society full of anarchy and full of amorality and immorality, then people are going to be committing all kinds of crimes and, and there needs to be change in hearts and lives. All right? So... The same way when it comes to pushing back against radical LGBT activism, caring for people, loving our neighbors, but pushing back against radical LGBT activism. Let's say we succeed. Let's say things that are legal today are illegal tomorrow. Let's say that the media can't broadcast certain things because people just say you got to turn it off or law says you have to turn it off. Let's just say that there is some moral code enforced on Hollywood like there was for decades from the 20s into the 60s. The Hays Code, the, the moral code that was imposed on Hollywood. Let's just say it could be imposed. Again, it's only a certain amount of time if we're not changing hearts, especially the younger generation growing up, where at a certain point, they're just going to throw that thing off, just going to burst. And now you have a situation even worse. So yes, by all means, let's have good laws. By all means, let's have good policies. By all means, let's have good justices in our courts. By all means. And our voting can help in those ways. But voting is putting our fingers in the holes, in the dam, whereas preaching the gospel is rebuilding the dam. Preaching the gospel, living the gospel, that's bringing about change one at a time, life by life, family by family, neighborhood by neighborhood. That's where the change is going to come. And then that will trickle up to change the society, to change the government, to change other things. Are you with me on that? 866-34-TRUTH. All right, let's uh, start with Isaiah in Greensboro. Welcome to the Line of Fire.
7: Good, good afternoon, Dr. Brown. Thank you for speaking with me.
0: You're very welcome, sir.
7: Yes, as a as a, um, a black American, um, for years, I just automatically vote, voted uh, Democratic. And then um, as my... Um, uh, walk with christianity continued to grow um i eventually during the clinton administration reached a point where uh i could no longer uh vote for a party that seemed to hold um uh, homosexuality and um abortion as sacred cows so uh, eventually um much to the consternation of many of my friends and relatives uh, I eventually abandoned them as long as they continue to hold those views. So mm. the whole, so, the, the main, my main voting um, emphasis is, is social, uh, yes. social as shaped by a uh, biblical worldviews.
0: So, so I say, l- let me ask you a question. Different okay. groups tend to vote in, in blocks. For example, the great majority of American Jews vote Democrat, and most of them are very liberal in their thinking. Uh, white evangelicals overwhelmingly vote Republican, and you, as you were mentioning, many of your 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 black friends, black Christian friends, vote Democrat. So here here's right. my question for you: uh, I I grew up in a home where my dad was very very involved in the Democratic Party, and I grew up thinking like that. And you know, he was a great role model for me in many ways. And then as a believer, I ultimately came down to a few basic issues that were the most important for me, so I always put them first. So ultimately I ended up voting primarily Republican for, the, for those reasons. But you have you have friends, relatives, you said it was to the consternation of many of your friends and relatives, they're thinking people also. Many of them right. are godly people also. Why do you think that you've come to these conclusions and they haven't?
7: Oh, that's easy, because they continue to believe that... Um, um, that the Republican, bar, I mean, the Democrat party is quote, the lesser of the two evils end quote. They can, um, the, um, the media and the Democrats together have forged, uh, an alliance that allows them to continue to push to the black community. Uh, the idea that there are racist groups that can control our lives. Mm. And, um, most, uh, if you really sat down, it, it's like with with any time I'm allowed to have a conversation uh, about Trump, um, I'll ask uh, I'll ask uh, my friend or relative. Fine, show me where he has instigated policy that is that is racist that will affect us. Don't talk about his, you know, what you think he said. If he, and the the problem is, there are still people that believe. Uh, the idea that that the Republicans are out to get uh, uh, black folks. And and the irony is you cannot name a single piece of legislation that's detrimental to the black community that's ever been voted for uh, by the Republicans. But you can't do the same thing for the Democrats. But Mm. it's just... um, they're the exact opposite of the term they'd like to use these days. Woke.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, the exact I understand. Opposite
7: of that. So, that, so that's I, it. That, that's, that's the problem.
0: Have Have you been able to convince any of your friends when they strike out trying to bring an argument? Uh, you know, aside from a soundbite here and there, where, where, okay, they can't mention legislation, and maybe perhaps some of the president's policies are helping inner cities or helping move forward with prison reform. And a lot of that could positively impact the, the black American community. Well,
7: yes. Um, I've gotten clever at what I like to call, um, guerrilla politicking where, uh-huh. you know, I'll bring up, Oh wow. Isn't it great. Uh, uh right now, uh, unemployment is l- the lowest in our community that's ever been, you know, you, you'll start a conversation with that. Um, now, once I moved away from the Democrat Party, of course, I forged. I found a lot of other things that, to me, tell me that they are uh, rather than being our friends. In my opinion, the Democrat Party um, has been benefiting from uh, uh, actions taken during the Johnson administration that, for years, have um, uh, been used to bring us. Under the thrall of the Democrat yeah. Party. That's just so, my so opinion, that, and I can back it up.
0: Yeah, so so the idea that the Democrats formerly wanted your bodies, now they want your votes, and this is a way, say, the welfare system of exercising control, even if somewhat right. well-intended, that, that would be your position.
7: Absolutely, and on top of that, um, um, <clears throat> no other group votes 90% for anybody. And the fact that we do that every four years, in my opinion, has put us in position where we are taken for granted every four. Years. Yeah. And and I I just I I just don't see it now. the Troy. Hey, I,
0: I I'm sorry, sir. I've got to interrupt just because we're out of time. But I, I wanted to give the maximum time uh, for this conversation because it's an important. One. First, thank you for being a clear independent thinker and for putting Christian values first. And where any of us have blind spots, whoever we are, whatever our background, may we, we see those blind spots. And may the Republican Party truly care and truly get involved and let black America know, hey, Republicans are here. I'm not a Republican myself. I'm an independent. But I hope, I hope they make African-American community know you are important to us as people. All right, friends, back with you tomorrow.